Typically, when we hear a lesson on, and my, you know, when I preach too, and we talk about the, the roles, the responsibilities, the opportunities for a Christian woman uh, within the kingdom, uh, typically when you see that title of that lesson, you're going to hear things about what the woman cannot do. And, you know, typically it'll fo uh, focus there on 1 Timothy chapter 2, and a woman is not to teach or usurp the authority over a man. And, and you'll hear her get a long lesson about what women cannot do. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to share with you some things in the scriptures about the obligations that you as Christian women have. Uh, the roles that you play, the opportunities that you have to serve, the responsibilities that you have. And I think, men, when this lesson's over, you're going to understand why your wife's tired at night. Because God lays a lot on them that uh, in their role as a Christian woman. I myself didn't realize how much of an obligation. Some of that, you know, obviously flows over to both men and women. Uh, but there's a tremendous amount of work for a Christian woman and uh, woman, and so uh, that God authorizes and expects her to do. And it seems to fall within three realms. It falls in the spiritual realm, uh, the home realm, and the community realm. As we look in the text that uh, Brother Isaiah read, and thank you, Isaiah, I forgot about all those names in there. You did a good job, brother. Uh, some of those are hard, and those of you that uh, are contemplating maybe another child, there's some name possibilities in there. Uh, Philagus, it means a lover of words. So in your family that uh, maybe is a ta family of talkers, that might be a, a, a name to consider for your son, Philagus. So of those 26 individuals that were named there in Romans chapter 16, uh, Nine of them were women. Uh, we read about Aquila and Priscilla. Some translations say Prisca. And if you're familiar, those were the ones that Paul lived with for a while uh, because they were tent makers like he was. And so he lived with them. And we'll talk a little bit more about Priscilla and Aquila uh, when we talk about some of the roles and responsibilities of women. Uh, they were Priscilla was called Paul's fellow worker, Junia is praised for her outstanding missionary work. Four others are praised uh, for their labor in the Lord, Mary and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis. Only three men were complimented in, the sa in these same terms. Um, and it shows there that faithful Christian women had an important role in the first century church. You know, we read about the preaching tours of Paul. We read about the work of Timothy and about Silas and about Barnabas. But behind the scenes and doing their own work in areas where they could be more effective maybe than men, they were actively working as well. And of course, in verse 1, we see about Phoebe that to the point that Paul says of her, who is a servant of the church in Sancria, and there are those that word servant there, is the same word from which we get our word deacon. And so there are those that believe that in the first century there were deaconesses in the church. Uh, I don't think that there's sufficient evidence to support that, uh, but the word deacon means a servant. And so in some way, uh, she served in a special way. And when we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is, when it talks about those... Um, 
qualifications, it talks about, um, I think the King James and maybe the New King James says, and the wives need to have these certain characteristics. Uh, in the original language, the word could be translated and, and more often is translated uh, women. And so there are those that believe, and myself included, that there are some works that, that women uh, probably would be better apt to do than having a men do. And those women that would be assigned to those works obviously had to be spiritually minded. And I think that's the context there in 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about, the roles, responsibilities, and opportunities for a Christian woman within the church context. The first responsibility that a Christian woman has is to, to examine herself concerning to the, her faith. In other words, to save herself. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Galatians 6, verse 4, we have this idea of looking within. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, it deals with the, um, the um, Lord's Supper. Let a man, and the thought there, let a person examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and the drink of the cup. In other words, there's an inner looking here. I've got to think about my heart. Uh, when I'm taking the Lord's Supper, am I doing this? Am I making that distinction? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, it says, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. In other words, here he's saying you need to look within. Are you a faithful Christian? Is your heart right with God? Are you sincere? And then in Galatians chapter 4, it's more along the idea of our actions. It says, but let each one examine his work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And so here we get this idea that first and foremost, and this just doesn't apply to Christian women, it applies to all Christians, we have to examine ourselves. Is our heart right? Are our deeds right? And if we're not, then... We're probably not faithful to God. Our deeds may be right, but our heart may not. Our heart may be right, but our deeds may not. We may be sincere, but we may be sincerely wrong. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, when Paul talks about in the church that the men are to take the leadership role, and he takes it back to creation that, that Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't. But he says to her, the Christian woman, she will be saved and he talks about childbearing, and we'll talk about here, but I think the point that Paul's making is, he says she will be saved if she continues in faith, love, holiness, and self-control. A Christian woman is not going to be saved because she brings forth a child. That has nothing to do with her spiritual life, because in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, because of this present distress, if you have a virgin daughter, probably not wise to let her marry. Well, what if that virgin daughter died before she brought forth a child? If we're saying that a Christian woman must bring forth a child, then Paul's telling a Christian woman, a, a virgin, to not get married, not have a child, and to put her soul in jeopardy. Obviously, that contradicts the Bible. Contra the Bible's contradicting himself then. If Paul is saying here that a Christian woman must bring forth a child in order to be saved. But the point being is that first and foremost, we have a responsibility, whether you're a man or a woman, but in this context to make sure you're saved, that you're right with God. Second, 
A Christian woman has the role, the responsibility, and as she has opportunity to teach, to teach non-Christians. Turn over to Acts chapter 18 and look at verses 24 through 26. And this concerns Aquila and Priscilla. And they meet this fellow by the name of Apollos. And notice beginning in verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard them, they t- heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here's Aquila and Priscilla teaching Apollos, who was mistaken about baptism. He's preaching Jesus, but he's mistaken about baptism, and they're teaching him more accurately. So a Christian woman has the responsibility, the role, and if the opportunity presents itself to teach non-Christians. She also has the responsibility to teach Christian women. Notice in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. And the older women likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So here, older Christian women are to teach Christian women, teach them about life, teach them about those things which are good. Also, we read in Acts chapter 21, verse 8 and 9 about this fellow Philip, and remember back from Acts chapter 6 that Philip was one of the seven that was chosen, one that was full of of the Holy Spirit and faith. And so here's Philip was one of the ones chosen, and he had... Uh, four virgins' daughters that we read about in Acts chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. And it says of those four virgin daughters that they prophesied. In other words, they taught. They were given miraculous ability to teach the word of God. Well, we know they're not teaching children or their own children. Why? Because they were virgins and brought forth any children. So who did they teach? They taught other Christian women. So a Christian woman has the role, the responsibility, and as the opportunity presents itself, to teach other Christian women. Thirdly, a Christian woman has the role, the responsibility, and the, as the opportunity presents itself, to counsel younger Christian women. Says again in Titus 2, verses 4 through 5, I'm going to read from the ESV this time. The older woman trained the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That word train, uh, the uh, King James says, or the New King James says, that admonish, and that word also carries the idea of counseling. In other words, they're to counsel younger women. You know, we have a generation growing up that need counseling. Just like when you grew up, you needed counseling. Just like when I grew up, I needed counseling. 
I needed someone to tell me how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. And this young people, this generation coming up, they need to know how to be a good wife, how to love their husbands, how to be a good father, how to be a good um, uh, husband, and all those things that God expects the previous generation to teach the younger generation. You know, we have quite a few people in our, con- young people, well, not quite a few, but we have some young people in our, younger people in our congregation that didn't grow up with the benefit of maybe a father or a mother in the household. They need some guidance. They need some counseling. And older women, there are young women that need to know how to be a husband. Yeah, how to be a husband. How to be a wife. How to be a mother. And so there's a role as that opportunity presents themselves. And, and, and don't take that back seat. Well, I'll just wait till they come to me. You know, how many people are going to go up and say, hey, will you tell me how to be a good father? Will you tell me how to be a good husband? Or will you tell me how to be a good mother, or a good wife? Approach them and say, hey, you know, can, can I talk to you about some of the things that I had to deal with as I was first married and, and, and first became a mother. And you never know, you might change that person's life. So Christian women have the role, the responsibility, and as the opportunity presents itself, to counsel younger Christian women. Christian women has the, have the role, the responsibility, and, and as the opportunity presents itself, to support the Lord's work. Brother Forrest reminded me of this. Turn over to Luke chapter 8. And notice beginning in verses 1 through 3. Luke chapter 8. Verses 1 through 3. And now it came to pass afterward that he went. And here the he here is Jesus. That he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Johanna, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him and their substance. You know what those verses are telling us? That when Jesus went around in his earthly ministry, it was sisters, it was women who provided for their, his daily needs. It was women that provided for his food. It was women that provided for his daily needs. And so a Christian woman has the role, the responsibility, and as the opportunity supports itself, or presents itself to support the Lord's work. It's not just your husband's role, it's your role as well. Now you may combine those, and that's fine. But if you're working, you have just as much obligation as the husband does to provide for the Lord's work. So we look here in, in when it comes to spiritual matters that the Christian woman has role has a role, has a responsibility, and, and his opportunity presents itself. Of many things, 
within the church to teach Christians, to teach women, obviously to teach children. We're going to get into that in the home. Uh, obviously to counsel younger women, to provide, to help support the Lord's work. There's a lot of opportunity within the church for a Christian woman to, to be active and to, to serve God. The second area that we're going to focus on is within the home. Christian woman would obviously have the role, and this is sort of a no-brainer, of bringing forth a child. Uh, if a couple desire, if a husband and wife desire children, either they adopt or the wife would need to, to carry and bring forth that child. God designed us that men, as of now, who knows what science is going to do in the next hundred years, but as of now, men cannot bring forth child. God gave that role to women. That's a function that men cannot do. And so here's a role. If you want children, you have a family, and you want to have children, the mother has, the Christian woman has to fulfill that obligation, or that role, I should say. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says in that context there, he says, Nevertheless, she shall be saved in childbearing if she continues in faith and love and holiness and self-control. And the point, Paul's not saying that's a necessity for salvation, but it's a role that women play, a God-given role. Secondly, a Christian woman has the role and the responsibility of managing the home. You know, sometimes, guys, we think we, we don't quite understand that. You know, we want to be the, the we want to rule, we think, because God has given us that the leadership role in the family uh, that we have to make every little decision about everything. I learned real quickly. Uh, it took me, well, I didn't, I, I'll have to take that back. I, it took me a while to realize that I don't mess with Shirley's kitchen. Now, I'm allowed to go in there and I'm allowed to cook. But when I start saying, hey, let's put this over here, or this will be better over here, or this will be better over here, it's not long until she tells me, this is my kitchen. And she's right. It is her kitchen. God gives that role to our wives, to that Christian woman, to manage that home. And I have found, maybe some of you as well, when I start getting into that realm where I shouldn't belong, there starts to be problems. And I start messing up. Shirley says, hey, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to paint this wall blue. Or I'd like to change the fabrics and change the window coverings. Or I want to change the furniture. And I used to be like, oh, man, why do we want to do this? This is fine. We've had the same paint for 20 years. What do we need to paint it again? That doesn't work out too well. She manages the home. She wants the furniture different. I may stub my toe at night a few times, but I'll get over it. And so, guys, we need to understand we don't have to micromanage in the home. God has given her that role to manage that household. In, um, we read in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul says, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house. The ESV says manage their households, giving no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So a Christian woman has the role and responsibility to manage that house. Make sure that it is a well-oiled functioning entity. And, you know, when you have children in the home, uh, there was a time in our life where I was laid off from the factory and Shirley was working 
it took me about one day to realize I was begging to go back to work. It's hard. It's hard taking care of two babies. And if Sabrina was probably about a year old. Shannon was about a two and a half. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know how Shirley did it. All I did all day was take care of babies, change diapers, and stick bottles in their mouths and those things. And Shirley did all that, plus cooked, plus kept the house clean. When Shirley came home, I was ready for a nap. God's given that role to women to manage that house. A Christian woman has the responsibility to teach her children about God and about life. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, we see the idea, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Some of the <coughs> translators take the position that when fathers are plural, that it's referring to parents. In other words, a joint obligation. And, and that seems to make sense. It's not just falling upon the father, but though the father is the spiritual leader in the house, the mother has that responsibility as well, so I don't think that's an abuse of the text when it says there, and parents, Christian woman and a Christian husband, uh, should make sure their children are, are taught about God and about life. A Christian woman has the responsibility to care for her aged parents and for widows. Ephesians 6, verse 2 and 3, Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and may live long on the earth. That's not just Christian women. That would be Christian men as well. But that's part of that obligation. When our parents get older and they're not able to do what they could do when they're younger, it's up, for their up to their children to make sure that they're taken care of. Christian woman has the responsibility to help widows and orphans. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James chapter 1 and verse 27. So a Christian woman, as well as any Christian, has that obligation to reach out. And I'm sure it just makes sense that to widows, another woman obviously would have more more in common with their needs, what they could be, than maybe a man. So here's that obligation, that responsibility. And as that opportunity presents itself to take care of aged parents and for widows. I don't know what I'd do without Shirley and, and, and the way that she helps to take care of my mother. Not that my mother needs a whole lot of help. She's pretty independent. But... Shirley's sort of that buffer between a son that's oblivious and, and my mother that's obviously an older woman. And so I, I don't know what I'd do. It, it would be very difficult. But, you know, there are things that women understand, especially when dealing with other women. So there's that obligation, that, that role, that responsibility as that opportunity presents itself. So... A Christian woman has roles and responsibility in the home that some that men would be very difficult for them to fulfill. And then lastly, a Christian woman has, role, has a role and responsibility in the community. She has the responsibility to be benevolent. Turning your Bibles over to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read about a Christian sister. Beginning in verse 36 of Acts chapter 9. 
And we'll read down to verse 39. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was, Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. So here's a Christian lady that her work, or part, a large, obviously a large part of her work, was helping to provide garments for these widows. You know, we have to understand just a little side note. Widowhood in the first century was far different than widowhood today as far as support. Um, today, obviously, a widow is a widow, and, and there's that emotional loss, the loss of a husband. But in the first century, if you did not have a child to take care of you, there wasn't government help. And so widows were often put in a very difficult situation. And so here's Dorcas. She sees that and she helps to provide for their needs. So a Christian woman has that responsibility. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, we read, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So within the community, a Christian woman has the role, responsibility, and as that opportunity presents itself, to be to engage in benevolence. And then the last point is that a Christian woman has a role and a responsibility and as that opportunity presents itself to be hospitable. In Acts 16, we read about Lydia. And Lydia, uh, she heard the word of God. Uh, she responded to it. And after she was baptized, she says to Paul, it says in Acts 16, verse 15, And when she, he, she and her husband were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so obviously she opened up her home to the Apostle Paul and to his entourage. Uh, in Acts 18, verses 2 and 3, again, I mentioned that Aquila and Priscilla opened their home up to Paul. And Paul stayed with him. They built tents together while he was preaching but they showed hospitality to Paul. In Second John, John is writing to a Christian sister, an elect lady, and he wrote to her that obviously the implication is that she opened up her home, she was hospitable, but he says to her in 2 John 9 and 10 that be careful who you open your home up to because if that person is a false teacher, that you can't show that fellowship because if you do, you become a partaker uh, or share that fellow, or share that. You cannot bring them into your home and, and, and give them fellowship because if you do, you become a partaker of their evil deeds. And so when we look at this, when we look at these three areas that within the, within the spiritual realm, within the church, within the home, within the community, community, Community. English is a difficult language. We can see that 
that God has laid a tremendous burden upon our Christian sisters of different roles, different responsibilities, and, and as those opportunities present themselves to serve God. Guys, now you know why she's tired at the end of the day. A lot of things there that maybe you didn't realize. I know that I didn't, hadn't thought about all of them and put them in the role. I remember David's dad saying years ago in one of the classes I was sitting and he was teaching and he was talking about the role of women and things like this. And he, and he, he said this in passing and he may have been saying it to, just to be you know, comical, but he said, he said, I've always thought that the reason that God gave men leadership in the church is because if he gave it to women, they'd have to do everything. And when you look at the work of the church, when you look at the home, when you look at the community, if it wasn't for Christian sisters, I'm not saying that Christian brothers aren't involved, but when you look at their works, most of the time, the backbone of that are our sisters in Christ. And we are blessed to have such good sisters here at Orange Street and in this area. So, in conclusion, ladies, the Lord has given you a mighty task. And he must believe, as a Christian woman, that you can fulfill that task. But it begins... It begins with examining ourselves and yourself to make sure you're in the faith. As you look at your life today, are you in the faith? Are you right with God? Is your heart right? Are your actions right? If they're not, that needs to be a change. If you are a New Testament Christian and you realize my heart's not right, my actions aren't right, that needs to be repented of. It needs to be confessed to God needs to be repented of, and forgiveness needs to be asked of God. If you're not a child of God, then have being right with a God involves having a faith in Jesus Christ that leads to a desire and a commitment to change your life, to turn from what is evil and to embrace what God would have you to do. Then and only then can you confess Jesus as Lord. But what about your past sins? God says, I'll wash those away in baptism. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. That's what God wants for you. That's what we want for you if you're not a New Testament Christian. God has given us women to help us to be better men, and we thank God for our Christian wives. If we can help in any way, won't you come as we sing this song of encouragement?